Well, let me begin with the service. The guy went to go see a doctor one day to get his regular checkup. So he calls his doctor, makes his appointment, and uh, the day came when he went to go see his doctor. He went to go see his doctor. He sat in the waiting room for a little bit. His name gets calls out. He was led into an examination room. There he sat for the doctor to come in. The doctor finally comes into the office or into the examination room. And, you know, he begins to ask him some preliminary questions. You know, how's your health? How are you feeling? Have you been eating well? And so forth and so on. After he got through the preliminary questions and everything else, he began his regular checkup routine. After, at the end of his checkup, the doctor leaves the room for a moment. But the strangest thing happened. This cat comes walking into the room out of nowhere. The cat sits in front of the man who's sitting on the examining table and looks up at him. And that cat walks over to him and starts sniffing him. Then the cat begins to rub against him. Then suddenly the cat jumps on the guy's lap. And then the cat jumps off and leaves the room. And the guy was shaking his head and said, that was strange. Minutes later, the doctor comes walking into the office and says, well, sir, everything seems to be checking out okay. So um, why don't we make another appointment and I'll see you in another six months. And the, the guy says, okay, thank you, doctor, shook his hand, and he went home. A week later, the man receives a bill from the doctor's office. When the man opens up the letter, he couldn't believe what they charged him. $500. $500. A man said, what for? So immediately he went to go call his doctor to find out what in the world's going on here. So he calls his doctor and says, doctor, listen, I just got a bill from you. And you're charging me $500. What for? And the doctor responds in a very polite and professional manner. And says, well, sir, $50 was for my checking you. The other $450 is for the CAT scan. (laughs) The lesson here is this. Deception will cost you something. And this morning, we're going to talk on the subject of deception. All throughout the Bible, we're warned about being deceived. And if, there's any, if there was ever a time that we need to be on guard, it's today in these last days. And this morning, we're going to look at the nature and the characteristics of deception. We're going to look at the many different warnings that we find in the Bible about deception. We're going to learn about the destructiveness and the origin of deception. And then we're going to learn how to avoid deception. And this may be not a type of message that's going to get a lot of oohs and ahs and amens and hallelujahs. Nevertheless... It's a message that is very important for us to learn and understand because the Bible itself warns us to be on guard. And there's a reason why he tells us that, and we're going to learn that today. 
2 Timothy 3.13 tells us that evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And there are many other warnings like that, and we're going to be looking at that this morning. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your goodness and mercy. And thank you, Father God, as you prepare our hearts today to receive your word. Father, to help us to be on God and to learn more about this thing called deception. Father, we pray for the Holy Spirit to work and speak through me, through these lips of clay. Father, let your words be accurate. Let your words come forth, Lord God. Let there be no room for feelings, emotions. Let there be no room for human weaknesses, Father God. Lord, let it be all you today. And Father, we ask that you fill this room with your presence. And let the Holy Ghost have free course and free reign today. And Lord, for this we give you glory and honor and praise. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen and amen. When we talk about deception, we're talking about an act or a statement which misleads or hides the truth. Or it promotes a belief, a concept, or an idea that is not true. To deceive someone is to cause them to accept as true and valid what is false and what is invalid. To be deceived means to be carried away or to be led astray. And one of the questions we ask ourselves is, where did deception originate from? Where did it come from? How did it all begin? Well, let's look at the Bible. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12 and let's begin there. Who is behind deception? Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 tells us this. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, watch this, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So we see by this verse that all of this world's deception originates from Satan. He is behind every deception that is found in this world. Amen? Amen. In this verse also, you'll notice that he is referred to as the, uh, the, what is it? Where is it? No, not the great, oh, the serpent of old. That's what I'm looking for. The serpent of old, which means that he's been around for a long, long time. And he's been deceiving people a very long time. He is the author of deceit. Jesus himself also talks about the origin of Satan or of deception. Go to John chapter 8. Here we find Jesus talking to a group of Pharisees, having a very unpleasant conversation, unpleasant for them. In verse 44, Jesus began to say this. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He says he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So according to Jesus, Satan is the master and the originator of deception. As a matter of fact, you can say that Satan's name is deception because he's also called the devil. And the word devil means slanderer or false accuser. And a false accuser is someone who goes around spreading lies about somebody. And this is what the devil does. So he identifies the devil as a liar. And saying that, he is, that there is no truth in him. In the amplified version of John 8.44, it says this, that when he speaks a falsehood, 
He speaks what is natural to him. In other words, lying is part of his nature. It is part of who he is. Even if the devil wanted to tell the truth, he couldn't because there is no truth in him. Amen? As a matter of fact, it is his desire to lie and to deceive. The Bible calls him the father of all lies. He is the daddy of all liars. And because he's been around for such a long time and because he's been doing this for so long, deception is one of his most effective strategy in all the world. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The, the devil's strategy to deceive is so effective that the Bible warns us to be on guard from his devices. In 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, Paul says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now that word advantage in the Greek literally means to outwit or to trick or to take advantage of someone in a sneaky or underhanded way. How many of you know people like that? You don't have to tell me who it is. But that same word advantage is made up of two compound words. One of those words means more and the other means to have. If you put it all together, we're talking about a person who has a desire to have much, much more. It has the idea of greediness. So it sort of paints us a picture of someone whose lust for something is so intense that he's willing to do whatever it takes to get what he wants. We're describing the devil here. And Paul says that we are not to be ignorant of his devices. Paul is describing Satan as one of the ones who constantly goes around scheming, conniving, and coming up with underhanded ways to hurt us and to deliberately mess up our plans, mess up our marriage, mess up our health, mess up our business, mess up our families. This is what he does. And we see an example of how destructive his deception is. Go to Genesis chapter 3 because this is where it all begins. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 13. Because Eve becomes the very first victim of Satan's deceptive ways. In Genesis chapter 3, and you know the story. Adam and Eve was instructed by God himself that they can eat of all the trees in the garden except that one Eve was walking strolling along the garden minding her own business until the serpent appears and begins to talk to her and her problem the biggest problem for her was the fact that she stopped she looked and she listened that was her biggest mistake because now she gave ear to the serpent's words and after hearing him, she was deceived and ate of the fruit. And then God comes into the scene. In the verse 13, God says, what is this that you have done? And the woman can only say, the serpent deceived me. The Amplified Version said that the serpent beguiled me. He cheated me. He outwitted me. He took advantage of me. And I ate. To show you how destructive deception is, it was because of deception that sin entered our universe. We understand now why sin exists, 
Because Satan's ability to deceive and to lie. So this is why deception is such a serious matter. This is what makes deception so destructive. <clears throat> because it can mess up your life. It caused the man to rebel and sin against their God. It put a separation between God and man. It brought curses upon themselves and upon all of mankind. All because one person chose to believe a lie. How many people you know whose lives have been destroyed because of a lie? How many marriages have been ruined because of a lie? How many friendships have been severed because of a lie? How many reputations have been ruined because of a lie? How many people have lost their jobs because of a lie? Deception will cost you something. Let's look at another example. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And let's read about Hymenaeus and Philetus. These are two characters in the Bible that you don't hear from much. But very significant. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. Paul writes to Timothy saying, But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Verse 17. And their message will spread... Like cancer, Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Now, the Bible says that Hymenaeus and Philetus have strayed away from the truth, which means that they once knew the truth, and they once were in truth. But until they heard the message, this false message that the resurrection had already been passed, which is not true, they accepted that lie as truth. Therefore, disregarding what was really true and taking on this message and then began to share with others, causing others to deviate from their truth and causing them to leave their faith. Deception can be very destructive in the church. Especially when you get a hold of false teachings and then accept it as truth and then go around sharing with others as if it was truth. Deception is such a serious matter. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Deception will always cost you something. In 1 Timothy, Paul tells uh, Timothy in chapter 2 verse 14. says that Adam was not deceived... But the woman, being deceived, fell into transgression. Now, Paul was simply reminding Timothy that of the terrible cost of deception. Paul says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, that through one man, sin entered into the world and death spread to all men. He also says in verse 19, that through one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Because of one lie, all of mankind had to suffer for it. And to show you how deceptive Satan is, that he was able to deceive a third of the angelic host to leave God and follow him. Think about that. Satan is a master of all lies. And that's not a compliment. But go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Satan is such an effective liar that he can make a lie look and sound like truth. And here's why. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse 13 says this. 
For such men are false apostles, spurious. I'm reading this from the Amplified Version, by the way. Spurious and counterfeits, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles or special messengers. Verse 14. And it is no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades or disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is not surprising if his servants also masquerade as ministers of righteousness. But their end will correspond with their deeds. What Paul was talking about was this. Because of Satan's ability to disguise himself. That when he comes at you, he's not going to come at you looking like a lie. He's going to come at you looking like truth. He can lie to you and not even look like he's lying. And something else to consider. Because he said in verse 15 that he also has servants who masquerade themselves as ministers of righteousness. These are the people that go around walking, talking, and looking and acting like believers. Carrying around their Bibles and saying all the right things and looking the right part. But all for the purpose of deceiving he is a master at disguising himself. That is what makes him so dangerous. I mean, I'm, I'm about to get ahead of myself, so I'm trying to contain myself here. So, But these are servants of Satan who can walk around wearing a suit and tie, carrying a Bible, and even standing behind a pulpit, dare I say. Not, not us. Just, okay, not us. Just want to put that out there. But just to show you how serious the Bible is about deception, let's look at some of the warnings that contains here in the Bible. Go to Matthew chapter 24. Jesus himself warned us about not being deceived. About not, yeah, to not be deceived. He says in, in, in Matthew 24, it's interesting because in verse 3, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. And the disciples came to him in private asking Jesus, Show us the signs of your second coming in the end of the world. And so Jesus began to give them a list of signs that lead up to his second coming and the end of the age. But it's interesting how he begins the first sign as being deception. In verse 4 of chapter 24 of Matthew says this. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed, look out, beware that no one deceives you verse 5 says for many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and will deceive many now skip down in that same chapter in verse 24 as he continues and he says for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive if possible even the elect now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 because Paul also warned his church through many of his letters about deception. Paul was concerned especially with the church of Corinth. He says in verse 3 of chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, But I fear lest somehow as a serpent deceived Eve that by, by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Verse 4. For he who comes, for if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, 
or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you will well put up with it. In other words, what Paul was saying is this, because Paul wasn't there. He was afraid that because of all these false teachers that was floating around, that they would come in and begin to introduce a different type of gospel, a different kind of Jesus, and instead of resisting them, they would tolerate them and listen to everything that they say. That was Paul's concern. And it's interesting how Paul uses Eve as an illustration to show us how easily a believer can be corrupted and swayed away from Christ. Think about this. Eve was created perfectly without a sinful nature. She was placed in a perfect environment. She was given perfect fellowship and relationship with God. And then she was given every conceivable blessing imaginable. However, she was still, in spite of all of the advantages that she had, she was still duped and deceived by the devil. Think about that. Deception is going to cost us something. Instead of Eve resisting, she listened and was deceived. She was deceived into disbelieving who God is and what God said. And instead believed the serpent and what the serpent said. Because of his ability to turn a lie and make it sound like truth. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Another concern that Paul had for the church at Ephesus is was he, there was these false teachers that were infiltrating the church, uh, teaching freedom in Christ. But their definition of freedom in Christ was being free from laws and from rules. Being free to live as you please. They were going out teaching that it's okay to live your lifestyle no matter how sinful it is because God still loves you. In Ephesians 5, verse 5, Paul says this, For you know this, for this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, no covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Verse 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words. Anybody go around telling you it's okay to sin, you know they're lying to you. And then you have to wonder why they're telling you that. Well, first of all, they're probably living that life anyway. And if they tell you that God says, well, you know what? God loves you. God will forgive you. God understands. God knows that we're weak. God knows that we're human. But that's not an excuse. And I'm sorry, but Christians use that too too many times as as an excuse. God knows my weakness. God understands. Yeah, God understands. That's why we need him. That's why he sent Jesus to come for us. Because he understands how weak we are. And he understands how much we need him and his spirit to live in us. To help us to live live the life that he's called us to live. So we can't go around making excuses or receiving teaching that say it's okay to sin. Because God loves you. God loves a sinner. But he doesn't accept the sin that they live. And just for time's sake, let me just give you a few other verses of scripture just for reference sake. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33 says this. Do not be deceived. Evil company 
corrupts good habits. That's 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33. You know, it's interesting how many Christians still have some connection with some worldly friends. Now, the Bible calls us to be a light into this world, a light into our job, a light into our neighborhood, a light even into, uh, uh, in, uh, around our relatives, unsaved relatives. But too many times as Christians, they tend to walk this very fine line where it's very easy to fall on the dark side when you're connected with people of this, of this world. And it's very easy that when you're trying to be around them and still trying to maintain that friendship and they're still living their ungodly lifestyle, but it's very easy to be corrupted and slowly swayed into living that same lifestyle. And then trying to come to church and live a godly lifestyle. You can't live two lifestyles. And it's very difficult to walk that fine line because you're going to fall one way or the other. And so, and Paul says, don't be deceived. Evil, evil association will corrupt the mind. Paul understood what he was talking about. 2 Timothy 3.13, which I read to you earlier. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 13 says, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And then you have 2 John 1.7. 2 John 1.7, where it says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So these are just some of the scriptures, and there are many others that we just don't have time to get into at all, that, go, that tells us that there are many out there out to deceive us in the world and in the church, saying things that are opposite to what God's word says, and calling good and no big deal what God calls sin. Don't be deceived. And I told you earlier where the devil is very good at disguising himself. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Because there are many different disguises or or faces of deception. And and I only have time to just mention a couple. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 13 which we read earlier... It says, for such men are false apostles, spurious counterfeits, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles. And it is no wonder, verse 14, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And then it goes on to say that he even has servants who masquerades themselves as ministers of righteousness. Now remember I told you that Satan is not going to come at you looking like a lie. But he's going to come at you looking like truth. And one of his disguises is manipulation. Manipulation is a type of deception. We talk about manipulation. Manipulation is, is when someone is able to handle or control somebody very skillfully for selfish reasons in order to gain influence in that person's life. To manipulate is to force or to attempt to force another person to do what he or she would not otherwise do. Are you hearing me? What manipulation does, it uses needs, insecurities, and other weaknesses as leverage for one's own agenda. Okay? They may try to pretend to be nice to you. They may pretend to be kind. They may pretend to, to be helpful and even trustworthy. But all to gain an upper hand to gain an advantage of your life. 
A good example of that is found in Judges chapter 16. How many of you know Delilah? Mm-mm-mm. Judges chapter 16 and verse 15. Let's go there. Samson was an interesting character. He was known for his strength, but certainly definitely not known for his wisdom. When he was interested in a woman, his parents said, why don't you marry somebody within your own tribe, within your own faith? But Samson was the kind of guy who wanted to walk on the wild side. And so when he met Delilah, the Bible says that he fell in love with her. Now Delilah was not in love with him. She pretended to love him. She pretended to care for him. She pretended to be everything that she wanted him to be, wanted her to be. But understand that Delilah was also an agent of the Philistines. She was being used by the Philistine to try to manipulate Samson into revealing his secret for his strength. Because for a long time, the Philistines tried to capture Samson because he's been a thorn on their side. And it didn't matter how many men they would send against Samson, whether a thousand, one, or whatever, Samson would always end up defeating uh, all of them and coming up on top. And so Delilah, using her manipulative charm, trying to get him to loosen up and reveal the secrets. And we pick up in verse 15, where it says, Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? Young man, how many of you heard that before? How many of you heard that line before? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. You said you love me. See, what she was trying to do was trying to get him to prove his love for her. And if someone tries to get you to prove your love for them by doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing, you need to back away and walk away from that relationship. And so in verse 16 it says, And it came to pass, and when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him, continued to manipulate him, so that his soul was vexed to death, verse 17, that he told her all of his heart. Saints, let me just say this. Young men, single men, single women that are out here today, be careful who you share all of your heart to. Husbands and wives, be careful who you share all of your heart with. The only one that should know all of your heart is your spouse and God and nobody else. But be, be careful who you share all of your heart because not everybody should know what's going on in your life. But Samson, because he loved her and because she kept pleading with her and manipulating him to, to, to prove his love for her, revealed his secret. And of course, you know the rest of the story. One day, he fell asleep on her lap. They came in and cut off his hair. And when they came to attack him, he got up and do what he normally does to try to defend himself, expecting to be victorious, only to find out that he lost his strength. And so he was captured, he was chained, his eyes were gouged, and was thrown in prison. Deception will cost you something. I heard a pastor make this statement. He says this, that if the devil can lie to you and make you believe that the lie is truth, 
then the devil can own you and hold you hostage. If the devil can lie to you and make you believe that you will never amount to anything, if the devil can lie to you and make you believe that no one will ever hire you, if the devil can lie to you and make you believe that no one will ever love you, if, you, if the devil lied to you and make you believe that your life is not worth living, then he owns you and has holds you hostage. There are many of you here this morning who have been listening to lies and have believed it. And because you believe it, he now has you hostage and he now owns you. Fear, low self-esteem, feelings of inadequacies, even suicidal thoughts, etc., etc., etc. All of these things are lies that the devil will tell you and make you believe to hold on to you and own you and hold you hostage. But there's only one thing that is holding you hostage, and that's the lie. But if you can stop believing that lie, you'll never be held hostage again. Thank God that Jesus came to set us free. The Bible says that he came. If he says you're free, then you are truly free indeed. All you have to do is stop believing the lie. Stop believing that someone will never love you. Stop believing that no one will marry you. Stop believing that no one will hire you. Stop believing that you'll never amount to anything. That's just a lie of the devil. That is not true. God knows what he's doing when he created you. And he created you with a purpose and with a plan. Stop accepting lies from the devil. Here's another one. Flattery. Flattery can be very deceptive. Someone said that flattery is like a it's like a lie covered in chocolate. Sweet on the outside, bitter and insincere on the inside. And the purpose of flattery in a negative sense is to gain favor or advantage over someone. Listen, if someone came up to you and says, man, you sing so good. You got such a nice voice. You sound like Alvin Slaughter. Either you really sound like Alvin Slaughter or they're lying to you. And if you believe that lie, you're lying to yourself. But flattery is only done to gain a favor and advantage of somebody. Look at Jude chapter 1. Verse 16 says this. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts. And they mouth great swelling words, flattering people, what? To gain advantage. And here's so, so difficult about flattery. Flattery feels good. Flattery validates one person. Someone says, oh, I love your hair. Oh, you look so nice in that dress. Man, you look sharp in that suit. You, you know, that make you feel good. Somebody, they, oh, you're so handsome. You, you're so fine. <laughs> All those things, they make you feel good. But you know what? Flattery has its boundaries. When somebody's flattering you and flattering you, and you got you got to figure out. Okay, they want something. Something's up here. But it's only because they're trying to gain an advantage over you. Go to Romans chapter sixteen. 
Romans 16 and verse 17. Paul also has something to say about flattery. Paul, in his letter, he closes out the chapter with this final warning. He says this, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Notice what Paul says here about these men. He says, they don't serve God. They serve their bellies. They serve their agendas. They serve their personal uh, uh, selfish needs and desires. That's their whole purpose of using flattery and wonderful words. And the problem was that there were many smooth talkers in the church, many smooth flatterers going around in the church, deceiving the minds of the simple and and the unsuspecting Christians. That's why Proverbs 14 and verse 15 says that the simple believe every word, but the prudent considers all of his steps. There's another face. That can be very deceiving. And that face can be very much be your face. James 1 in verse 22 through 24 says this. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We can be our worst enemy. Lying to ourselves, deceiving ourselves. And again, for time's sake, we just don't have time to get into all of this. But let me give you a couple of other verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. 1 John 1 8 says this, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. The devil will use all of these devices, lies, flattery, manipulation, even use you to fool your own self, to take an advantage over you so that he can own you and hold you hostage. Now, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. How do we avoid deception in our lives? It's very important for you to understand and very important for you to pay attention to this. Now, there are two elements, key elements, in helping us to avoid deception. Both these elements work hand in hand together and not one can do without the other. Okay? These are God's word and spiritual discernment. We live in a world where we're being constantly bombarded with information, tons and endless information and opinions. Much of the things that we hear and see come from a worldly perspective, but a worldly perspective that is tainted by the devil. Because the Bible says that the devil is the god of this world. And so deception is found in every corner of this world. And because of this, as believers, we need to develop a discerning spirit. But what is that? What is a spiritual discernment? What what does that mean? Well, in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 10, we read where discernment is one of the nine gifts of the spirit. 
And in verse 10, well, in the other previous verses, Paul mentions a list of, verse, uh, of, of gifts. He talks about the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the uh, uh, gift of faith, the gift of healing. Then he goes on to talk about the working of miracles in verse 10. Also prophecy, and another discerning of spirits, and another uh, the different kinds of tongues, and, and uh, the interpretation of tongues. In verse 7 it says that these gifts are the manifestation of the Spirit of God. That he gives to everyone so that everyone can profit from it. These are spiritual gifts that the Spirit of God gives to us so that every one of us can profit from these gifts. So when we talk about discernment, discernment is the ability to make sound judgments and decisions by becoming aware of or recognizing what is not really obvious. I'll say that again. Discernment is the ability to make sound judgments and decisions by becoming aware of or recognizing what is not readily obvious. Let me give you an example. Suppose you were offered two jobs. Both jobs are promising, but only one job is God's best. How do you determine which is God's best? How do you know which is God's will? Okay? So that's just one example. Now, so when we talk about discernment, we're talking about the ability to, uh, to, to judge or to distinguish or to identify between what is right and what is wrong, what is wise, what is unwise, what is good and what is best, what is good and what is evil. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 10 in the Amplified Version says it like this, describing this, the gift of discernment. It says, to another, the ability to discern and distinguish between the utterance of true spirits and false ones. Let me give you an example. Go to Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. We read a story where Paul and Barnabas goes into a city called Salamis where they went to preach the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. And they also had John as their assistant. In verse 6, when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Verse 7, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. And this man, Sergius Paulus, the proconsul, called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, or Bar-Jesus, the sorcerer, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Now, verse 9, Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at Bar-Jesus, the false prophet, and he said, all full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? It's interesting how the Apostle Paul was able to recognize and call out deceit and fraud. Yeah, amen. He would not have done that without the gift of discernment. 
He would not have recognized that there was evil lurking and present, trying to cause this proconsul to draw away from God when he wanted to hear the word and wanted to know more about God. But yet Paul, who looked at him intently, discerned that there was something not right there. There's evil, there's fraud, there's deceit there, and he called that out, and he called him the son of the devil because he, he was acting like his father, the devil. The Lord places a very high value on spiritual gifts, but especially discerning gifts. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, desire spiritual gifts. So there's gifts that we can receive from God by his spirit. It's gifts that we can enjoy having to profit our lives and profit others. Go quickly to John chapter, uh, 1 John 4. Spiritual discernment will protect us from being deceived into making bad decisions and going in the wrong direction based on what looks good or what feels good. We like to act and move and make decisions based on our feelings and our emotions and about how things look good. But, you know, duck hunters love using decoys. Because decoys are used to appeal and attract ducks. And the decoys that are made today are very elaborate because the decoys look like ducks. They quack like a duck. They act like a duck. I mean, they just look like ducks. Even the real ducks think they look like ducks. Only they end up like dead ducks because they don't know what the real thing is. For Christians, there are many roving decoys. And their job is to simply deceive us and draw us away from our faith. But rather than looking at things at face value, we need to look beyond what a person says and how a person performs in order to determine their authenticity. We, We need to evaluate or test the spirits. Are you with me? We must be on guard because the decoys are moving all around us, acting like the real thing in order to deceive us. That's why 1 John 4, 1 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but rather test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. 2 Peter 2, 1, which is not on my list, but 2 Peter 2, 1 says this, But there are also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring them on themselves swift destruction. As believers, we need to develop a discerning spirit. Otherwise, how will we know what's truth or not? How can we determine what is good and what is evil? What is wise and what is unwise? How are we able to make decisions if we don't know what the best decision is? Go to Hebrews chapter 5 as we're rounding the stretch. Hebrews 5. Interesting here how the author, well, let me just read verse 11, Hebrews 5. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, 
You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God or the basic principles of God's word. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. Verse 13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled or inexperienced in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, this is the verse I want you to uh, hear. Verse 5, I mean, chapter 5, verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Notice the connection between God's word and the ability of discernment. The only way that believers can develop the gift of discernment or discerning spirit in order to guard against deception is that they be grounded in the word of God. The more time we spend filling our minds and our heart with God's thoughts, the more discerning we will be. Notice that the writer in Hebrews was addressing Christians who were still in their spiritual infant stages when they should have been spiritually strong and spiritually mature and discerning of spirits. And the reason for their spiritual infancy is because they were not grounded in the word of God, which hindered their ability to discern between what was good and what was evil. And, it, and it's not so much that they lacked information because it's clear that they were taught the word of God. The problem was they didn't know how to use the information. They lacked the experience because they weren't putting it into practice. They lacked the skill and the experience because they failed to put the word of God into practice. It was all head knowledge for them. And, and saints, listen, that's why the Bible says in James 1.22, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Just knowing biblical truth is not enough. You must put it into practice because it has to become more than just head knowledge. You can be the smartest scholar in the world. But when it comes to things when you need to develop or use your faith or step out in faith, it's not there. Because you know the word of God, but you don't have enough faith to step out in the word of God. See, our goal as believers is to allow God's word to become such a necessary and essential part of our lives in our thinking to guide us into making the right choices and going in the right direction and being able to discern in our lives. If we lack the word, we lack discernment. Psalm 119 and verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Even if situation that you're facing isn't specifically addressed in the Bible, you have to understand that scriptural principles in the Bible will provide us with the needed wisdom that we need and instructions that we need in order to deal with the situations in life. The Word of God contains principle that's going to help us, to guide us, and to help us with discerning of what's right. Sometimes people will say, well, it's not in the Word. Well, you know what? But the principles in the Bible help us. It, it, it instructs us. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. Calm down. Breathe. Okay, I feel better now. 
All right. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13 says this. Paul warns Timothy, saying this, But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But I love what Paul says. But, but he said, Timothy, this is what I want you to do. Regardless of what's going on around you, regardless of these evil men and imposters going around deceiving, this is what I want you to do. Verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them from. Verse 15, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on in verse 16, because all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, operating in spiritual gifts, strong in faith, filled with the Holy Ghost, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. And to make sure that we stay on the right path and stay in his will, God provides us with the ability to discern. Hallelujah. And in addition to all of this, in addition to his word and the gift of the spirit, he also gives us his Holy Spirit. Where all of the gifts come from. His helper, whose assignment is to help guide us into all truth. Amen. He's assigned to us to teach us God's wisdom because he knows how to apply them effectively and properly. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. But as we develop a habit of becoming grounded in his word and following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, our senses will become trained and effective to be able to discern what's good and what's evil and be able to overcome any opportunity of deception that comes our way. And it doesn't matter if the devil comes at you looking like truth because of your ability to discern, because of the fact that you're grounded in God's word and because you're filled with the spirit of God, you're able to say, no, you take that stuff out of here. You take that stuff out of here. You can't touch this. Going back to Acts 13, when Paul recognized and was able to discern the fraud and the, and the deceit of this bar Jesus, the Bible says that Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, looked at that man intently because at that point the Spirit of God showed him something that wasn't right and he was able to point it out and call it out and God will do the same with you by his spirit amen Amen. praise God hallelujah we have that ability let's pray father God we thank you so much thank you for the Holy Ghost that lives inside of us leading us and guiding us teaching us your wisdom and father thank you Lord God to this day No more will we listen to the lies of the devil. Thank you for giving us the gifts to be able to discern and distinguish what is good and what is evil. Father, thank you, Lord, from this day forward, we'll be able to recognize, Lord God, the devil's devices. 
And Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for helping us to come out on top and no longer be on the bottom. Father, we give you glory and honor and praise, Father God, for the victory that you've given to us. Father, we just thank you right now for everything that you've shown us tonight. And Lord, we just give you so much glory, hallelujah, for revealing to us your precious love and your kindness. Hallelujah. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise today. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen and amen.